Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our September Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their family, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence because you are the designer of your journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So to preview our September's edition, please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. As for our radio show today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. By the way, listeners, Amy is our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. As for this morning, Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat, 101 Tales of Feline Friendship. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm happy to be on, wow, for my second week in a row talking about a new <laughs> book. This time, this time our book about cats. Last week it was our book about dogs. I love it. This book is fantastic. Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat, 101 Tales of Feline Friendship. It's really a delightful read, and the entire construction of the book, it brings a new meaning to cat owners, I know for sure. Congratulations on this release. And it happens to be today, by the way, right? Yes, it is today. And I expect this will be a big bestseller for us because our cat and dog books always do really well and uh-huh. so um yeah i'm sure i'll be able to report to you that it's on the uh <laughs> nonfiction bestseller list awesome truly truly awesome coming back to cat books how really popular are they i know you guys are doing it once a year correct if i'm not mistaken once every 12 to 18 months depending mm-hmm. on where it fits in our schedule but we get so many great stories about dogs and cats that there's always good material for us to put out Mm -hmm. more books and they keep selling really well. So people do have an appetite to buy a new one every 12 to 18 months. So we enjoy putting them together. It's really fun for us. And somehow we learn a lot of life lessons from these stories about (laughs) cats and dogs because they teach us a lot, the way that they operate their lives. There's a lot we can learn for operating our human lives. So true. Very, very true. American Humane is the benefactor for this book's royalty. What can you tell us about the organization? So American Humane is actually the oldest animal welfare um, organization in the country. Um, They really do such admirable things. They are the people who go to natural disasters and try to save the pets if shelters are being flooded or you know, damaged by hurricanes, they'll go and get all the dogs and cats out of those shelters and they'll save them and then they'll reunite them with their owners. Um, They're big proponents of adopting from shelters and we work with them on that campaign. They also 
look out for the welfare of animals in zoos, and they have a zoo certification program. They also have a humane certification program for farming, and they also are the people who make sure that animals are treated properly when they're on the sets of movies or television shows. That's fantastic. Looks like they're all over the place, and they are keeping animals in excellent shape from that perspective. Why is adopting a cat from the animal shelter the right thing to do? So there are millions of cats at any given time that are looking for homes. And they're wonderful animals, shelter animals. I mean, when you adopt from a shelter, somehow the animal knows that it has been saved. And everybody says that their shelter pets make particularly good pets because they're grateful and they're aware of their their luck, really, in being given mm-hmm. a forever home. So you can get cats and kittens of all ages at shelters. You know, you can get newborn kittens right up to senior cats, whatever fits into your household. You know, some people want a senior pet because it will be less rambunctious and easier to take care of and they also feel like they're doing a really good thing giving a senior animal, you know, the last few good years of its life um, because often if they're not adopted out from shelters, the senior animals are euthanized, which is really horrible. Mm-hmm. And But if you are in the mood for a rambunctious little kitten, you can get that too at a shelter. You can really find whatever <laughs> is perfect for you. And what's interesting is that often – kittens or cats at a shelter will choose you. You'll walk in thinking, I'm going to get a white (laughs) female two-year-old cat, and you walk out with a black male eight-year-old cat, you know, because that cat shows you, and all of a sudden you looked into each other's eyes and you realize it was meant to be. That's interesting you mentioned about the age of the cat and also the perfect match for the owners because I never thought about adopting senior cats, right? Well, maybe because I'm more active, perhaps, but you're right. You certainly want to keep everything in even keel, so to speak. That's very, very interesting. Yes, some people want a cat that will just sit in their lap while they watch TV, you know, and mm-hmm. will just mm-hmm. just hang out with them right by their side and not be running around doing stuff. And so a senior cat may be better for that prospective cat owner. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know why I'm calling them cat owners because really, <laughs> really, the humans are basically the staff for the cat, mm-hmm. right? The cat's really in charge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so true. So true. What can you tell us about the beautiful book front and back covers? I love it. It's beautiful. It's cute. It's something that you really want to hold in your hands all the time. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. And that's our goal. And It's so easy to make a great cover for a cat book because cats are so beautiful. And so this cover has these beautiful shades of purple and blue and these gorgeous cats on the cover, one with hazel eyes and one with blue eyes, Mm -hmm. and then really playful. Like we have a little cat hanging off the Chicken Soup for the Soul logo and kind of tilting it. You know, that's one of those rambunctious cats. And on the back cover... We have three more cats, and we tried to feature a lot of different looks of cats, you know, because everybody has their favorite kind of cat. So, yeah, it's a beautiful cover, and it's the kind of cover that you want to put out on display because it's so pretty. It's like a piece of art. 
the way I look at all these books, they make really good gifts for people. They sure do. I mean, the great thing about giving one of our books is that you don't even have to give it to somebody who's a really dedicated reader mm-hmm. because with 101 short stories, even somebody who only wants to read five or ten minutes a day could just sit down and read one story a day for you know 101 days and then they'd be finished. And it's actually a nice way to read it, slower, because then you can absorb each story and think about it. And then we have people who race through them and they're done by three in the morning. We have people who use our cat books to to convince somebody that they should get a cat. You know, sometimes spouses are at odds yeah. on that. And so uh, sharing some of the stories from the book might convince a reluctant cat person to actually become a real cat person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. So you guys have done the algorithm for that, right? So you're right. I love it. 101 days and then you're finished with it. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we have people who say that they put our books by their bed and uh-huh. they read one story each night. And it's just a way to kind of transition from a busy day mm-hmm. to a nice, relaxing sleep. They read one story, they feel good, and then they just peacefully, you know, close their eyes and go to sleep and get some some good sleep because they've just read something that was so uplifting to end their day. Very, very interesting. So what are the chapter topics covered in this book? So the first chapter I think is very appropriate for a cat book because it's called (laughs) Who's in Charge Here? I think we all know the answer between the human (laughs) and the cat, who's going to be in charge. The second chapter It's called Four-Legged Therapist, and it's about how cats are just naturally so intuitive about what their humans need. And then the third chapter is called Cat Sense. And again, it's about cats being remarkably clever and intuitive. Fourth chapter is called Miracles Happen, and it's about a cat showing up at just the right time or a cat, you know, getting a child who never speaks to speak or whatever miracle the cat pulls off. And then... The fifth chapter is called Life Lessons from the Cat because we really can learn a lot from how cats conduct their lives. Um, the sixth chapter is kind of funny. It's called Catastrophes, you know, for cat- catastrophes. <laughs> and it's just about those uh, mischievous cats and the trouble they get into. Seventh chapter is all about bonding and how cats can really create family. And so that chapter is called We Are Family. The eighth chapter is called I Need You, and we got kind of punny here, so we spelled need, K-N-E-A-D. And then um, the last chapter is called My Very Good, Very Bad Cat, and it's really about those cats we love who get into trouble all the time, but it's kind of funny and and cute, and so we have those stories to finish off the book. Love it. The pictures, the chapter dividers and so forth, they're very, very engaging do you, by chance, know who owned these cats? We used stock photos. We have, mm-hmm. in past books, put in pictures from our employees, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, cats they rescued from shelters, and we featured them. But uh, this time, I guess we were just in a hurry, so we used stock photos <laughs> instead. But they are very engaging. Very, very engaging, no doubt about it. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat? I I would like them to come away thinking that the next time they're going to go and get a cat, they're going to get it from a shelter, 
and they're going to be open-minded about adopting a senior cat, and they're going to be open-minded about adopting a black cat. Because black cats and senior cats are the ones that are most often left behind in shelters, and they face a very uncertain future if they're not adopted. That's true. Very true. Well, our neighborhood, we have a several cats and they're living a good life actually being very independent because everybody feeds them <laughs> oh they're like neighbor cats like the whole yeah. neighborhood takes care of them <laughs> yeah. that's nice you live in the south so you have better weather you know right 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 up here so, you can't really have an outdoor cat it wouldn't make it oh. through the whole winter well that's true that's true never thought about that yeah because i mean they really like no i'm an independent person yeah, they can do that in a in a warm climate where it hardly ever snows. But up here in Connecticut, uh, outdoor cats are at great risk in the winter. That makes sense, a whole lot of sense. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Features Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick Reminder to check the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy is also our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section of our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Amy and I are having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat, 101 Tales of Feline Friendship. So, Amy, let's talk about some of the friendship. Chapter 1, Who is in Charge Here? And I love this story, The Cat That Saved Dogs of All People (laughs) by Beth Goach. Yeah, this is a really cute story because um, Beth had a 12-year-old cat, so not a senior, senior cat since cats can live to, you know, late teens or early 20s, Mm -hmm. but a mature cat. And this was a really petite little cat. And so when Beth saw her friend's pit bull lunging at the little cat, she was quite concerned. I mean, the dog might have just been, you know, acting friendly. It just seemed scary. (laughs) But that little cat, whose name was Molly, didn't even flinch. She just stood her ground and stared down that humongous dog who was, you know, many, many times larger than her. And that pit bull went from growling to whimpering, and his (laughs) brow kind of furrowed in bewilderment at this fearsome little cat. Well, Beth's friend who owned the pit bull ran a rescue group that – got animals that were at the local shelter to be placed into foster homes where they could be socialized mm-hmm. so that they were more adoptable. And they really needed these dogs to be socialized in terms of being able to live in a household that had a cat. So they started using Molly, um, and they started using Molly to um, stare down dogs and train them <laughs> to not threaten cats. And so... Anyway, it it turned out that um, they ended up training about 40 dogs, this little 
Kat trained about 40 dogs, helping them make the transition from, you know, shelter animals with no manners to gentle dogs that could go and live in a home that had a cat. I love the story because the immediate thing that came to me is the fact that, you know how they always tell you, like, in the situation, sometimes it's your persona, your attitude. <laughs> yeah, attitude makes a big difference. Yeah, that little cat had had attitude, and the big dog was so perplexed by why this tiny little animal wasn't afraid of him. <laughs> yeah, it's really wonderful. So when I read that, it's like, oh, that's cool. This is what like every one of us need to kind of have an attitude sometimes in a certain situation. <laughs> yeah, walk into a room not knowing how small you are and just walk in as if you're the biggest person in the room, and it works. There you go. So true. What story do you like in this chapter? Well, since it's called Who's in Charge Here, I had to pick a story by Jill Burns where Jill basically became like the servant to her cat. Mm. So she had this cat named Klaus who was just obsessed with water. And some cats hate water, but Klaus couldn't get enough of it. I mean, he would always drink all his water before he would eat his food. And he loved going in the shower whenever there were drops left over after someone took a shower. He eventually, through his, you know, complaining sounds mm-hmm. and his body language, got Jill put water bowls all over the house for him. So there was always a water bowl <laughs> available for him, which drove the humans crazy because they kept stepping in water bowls and knocking mm-hmm. them over and then having to clean up. And Klaus was so devoted to his water bowls that sometimes they would find him asleep with his head resting on the side of the water bowl (laughs) like it was a pillow. So I don't know if Klaus had some medical condition that made him so obsessed with water or if it's just a quirk in his personality because every animal is an individual. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, I just thought it was really funny that Jill became this water servant for her cat. Very, very interesting. I can just see it around the house. And like you say, it's a typical, very subtle, I'm in charge here. This is what works for me. (laughs) Yeah, that cat, without saying a word, was able to get exactly what he wanted. Chapter two, four-legged therapist. This is very interesting. Breaking past fears. And that's important. By Tara Lynn Mitchell. So... Tara Lynn, um, she adopted this um, emaciated-looking cat, and it turned out to have been a feral cat, and it was very old, and it was blind. But she decided that she was going to save this cat, who only weighed three and a half pounds. And over time, the cat healed physically and even emotionally, you know, beginning to show some affection for Terry Lynn. And so it seemed like the cat also would reinforce any time that Terry Lynn did something that was good for herself, like she went kayaking and then the cat kind of rewarded her by um, being more affectionate to her. And so she just felt like this cat was brought into her life to encourage her to engage in her own self-care, even as she was caring for the cat and making it healthy again. The story is really interesting because the subtle validation that we all need sometimes that's missing 
And so this cat's able to do that and sort of really help a person go through life in a very different perspective. Exactly. It was really interesting the way, way the cat would reward her when Terry Lynn did something that was good for her own health. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. really cool. I mean, there is something so magical and strangely intuitive about cats, and so many people do report that their lives are changed because of the influence of their cats. Very, very interesting. Do you have a story in this chapter that you like? Well, here's another one where a cat is really acting as a therapist and encouraging self-care. And in this case, Leslie Schneider has a cat named Frank. And Frank is, you know, a nice family member and has his routines, as cats do. And one of them is that he's very focused on breakfast. He just loves breakfast. It's his favorite activity of the whole day. And Leslie has a sister, Allison, and some time ago, Allison was dealing with an eating disorder because uh, Leslie and Allison had grown up with kind of a chaotic childhood. And so sometimes people then feel like they have some control over their lives if they limit what they eat. But, of mm-hmm. course, that's not a healthy way to have control over your life. Well, anyway, Allison came to live with Leslie when Allison agreed that she needed help with her eating disorder. And you know what that little cat Frank did? He did something he had never, ever done before. He went and caught a mouse and put it outside the guest room door for Allison because he wanted Allison to have breakfast with him. It was the (laughs) only time in all the years that they had Frank that he ever went out and got a mouse and gave it to somebody. And Allison said, well, I guess he's telling me I need to eat. And that began her recovery from her eating disorder. That's fascinating. When you spend a lot of time with animals, we think we know the animals better than they know us. And sometimes it's the flip side of the equation. Yeah. It, I'm, I just think that cats can really be great influences on us. And so I love that. Everybody who rescues a shelter cat ends up being mm-hmm. rescued by the shelter cat. Very, very interesting. Chapter three, this is wonderful, Cat Sense. And, of course, the story in this chapter, <laughs> Cat Scan, sorry. <laughs> Twist of the tongue, yeah, it's I, like I, really I, cool. <laughs> I, made, I made that title because I thought it would be cute because, you know, a cat scan tells you what's going on inside you and helps the doctors diagnose you. And mm-hmm. this cat had the ability to diagnose humans just through its own sixth sense. So mm-hmm. um, Anna Heaney wrote this story for us, and she explained that she worked as a night nurse in a nursing home, and the residents of the nursing home, against all the rules of the nursing home, had adopted a cat. And they had worked out a system where they would take turns having the cat sleep with them, and they would all go and get some basically contraband from dinner, tuna fish sandwiches and hamburgers. And the nurses all knew about the cat and just let it go. But then the director of nursing heard about it, and she was not happy. She was not a cat lover. But the residents of the nursing home voted 41 to 1 to keep the cat. So she gave in. And the cat provided a lot of entertainment for the residents. 
he would ride around on the the med you know the meds cart that you know mm-hmm. they push around in the nursing home with all the medicines that they make the rounds of the residents. Well, turned out though the cat had this ability to know when one of the residents was going to die, and it was when the humans didn't even know it was going to happen. And so the cat would end up hanging out on a resident's bed and staying with that resident for the last day or two of their lives. Mm-hmm. And so they started realizing that if the cat was paying a lot of attention to a particular resident, they'd better call that resident's family and tell them that it was time. And the cat predicted deaths with 100% accuracy. So I just thought that that was really interesting. And it allowed the nursing home to call the family members in time, which was a really great thing that the cat did for everybody. It's one of those six senses. It's just amazing that how animals can pick up those kind of senses, I guess, like you say. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, it really is. There's another story in this chapter, Cat Sense, which is really cool. Cat God, I love this, by Donna Hugh. So this is a story about cats watching out for their family members. Um, And so um, Donna was two years old when this story happened, and she was playing outside with her five-year-old sister, and their yard was right next to a busy road. And Donna wandered out towards the road, and Smokey the cat sprang into action. And Donna's mom had just turned away from the little girls for one second to do some housework thing, but really it was just for a second. She turned back, saw Donna, two years old, wandering towards the road, and her mom rushed out to save her, but the cat had already taken care of the problem. He had followed Donna out to the sidewalk, and he was nudging her back towards home with his head. And so I just thought that just shows, like, cats really do care. People say they're so aloof and they just want to be fed and they don't care at all about their family. But it's really not true. They really do care. Um, And so I thought that was a great story. I love it, too. I know we did the dog show last week. Normally one would think dogs are a little bit more active rather than cats. And this particular story is quite to the contrary of that. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's another story about um, how you rescue a cat and it ends up rescuing you. And it's really mm-hmm. dramatic. It's um, it's the one by Donna Roberts called The Angel Who Rang the Doorbell. And it's in um, Chapter 4, which is called Miracles Happen. And mm-hmm. this really was a miracle. Um, so... Donna Roberts and her husband are big cat adopters. Everybody knows they're pushovers. And if you leave a cat (laughs) on their doorstep, you know, they'll take care of it. So they got this new cat that somebody left on the doorstep or the cat just showed up on the doorstep. And she was a calm little thing, um, but also brave. They had a bunch of tunnels and underground rooms in their big old country house in Germany. Mm -hmm. And Donna was, you know, trying to be brave like the cat and explore some of these underground rooms on their property. Well, Donna's husband went away on a business trip, and he was going to be away for a week. And Donna had promised she wouldn't go and explore any of these 
cellars and tunnels, et cetera, while he was away. But then she did. And disaster struck because she was climbing this rickety ladder and it broke into pieces and she fell onto the stone floor of the cellar and there was no way to get out. The ladder was the only way to get out and her cell phone wasn't getting any signal down where she was and she wasn't going to be able to survive for a week in that cellar without water. So the cat, this wonderful little cat that they had just recently adopted, um, was always nearby because it was a very friendly and you know companionable cat. Mm-hmm. So Donna took her cell phone and threw it up onto the floor outside the hole that she was in. And then the cat played with the phone and batted it with its paws closer to the edge of where it then dropped off down to the cellar where Donna was stuck. And Donna was able to yell up, hey, Siri, call, you know, whatever the equivalent of 911 (laughs) is in Germany. And then when they answered, she yelled. They could still hear her if she yelled over the phone. She yelled that they should come and rescue her and that there was a little cat that would lead them to her location because she was on this big property and they wouldn't have been able to find her that easily. And then she said to the cat, go and meet the rescuers and lead them back here. And that's what happened. The cat understood everything. The cat went out, met the rescue team, brought them back so they could then get Donna out of the cellar where she was stuck. It was pretty incredible. Amazing story. That's really, really amazing. The chapter title is Miracles Happen. And there's another story in this chapter, Miracle Cat by Valerie Achwell. And this is another one that's just wonderful. Yes, this is very cool. Um, So um, Valerie used to take her kids to work in the summers. It was a family business. So when they were out of school, she would just take them to work. But one week her son didn't want to go to work with her because his sister wasn't going to be there. She was visiting her grandma and he would get bored without his sister. So they brought their dog along so that the little boy would have someone to play with. Well, that little dog became frantic. He was scurrying back and forth between the two windows in the office and he was yipping and yapping. He was trying to tell them something. Well, a little later, Valerie and her son went out to the car and her son heard a noise and it was this brown cat that was standing behind them and making a really strange sound. And the cat pawed at Valerie's foot, and it was meowing but very weakly. And Valerie looked more closely at the cat and saw that its back right leg was broken really badly. It was partly severed. And this poor cat was pleading for this human to do something, which is so interesting that the cat knew that a human could help it. And so... She took the cat to this nearby animal clinic, but they told her there that there was nothing that could be done because the leg was already starting to get gangrene, Mm -hmm. and they said the cat's just going to die. But then the receptionist at that clinic, who started crying when she saw the state of this cat, she told Valerie to take him to this place called Angels of Assisi, and there the doctor saved the cat. They said there was a real risk it wasn't going to work, but they would try. Well, the cat had the leg amputated, survived the gangrene, survived the infection, 
And when Valerie and her kids went to pick him up a couple of weeks later, they were shocked to find that their new brown cat was actually a snowy white cat. (laughs) He had just been so filthy from his harsh life outside that he had been completely brown, every single bit of him. And Valerie says that this three-legged cat has been such an inspiration for them. He races around their home despite missing one leg, and he lived a long and happy life with them, and and he was a reminder that we're only as limited as we allow ourselves to be. So I thought that was a really great story. Oh, it really is, because like you say, it's not how many times you're down, it's when you get up and get going that makes the difference. Exactly. (laughs) Chapter 5, Life's Lessons from the Cat. And this is really cool. Big Guide to the Rescue by L.A. Kennedy. So this was the coolest cat. He was this big (laughs) cat who was so big that at first when she saw him, she thought he was a bobcat. But anyway, he was not very trusting of humans initially. Um, And the Kennedy family found him inside an aluminum boat that they used. And so they just put out dishes of food and water for him. And it took a few months, and then he started to trust them. And he finally came out of the boat and eventually accepted a heated bed in their garage. Well, they had a lot of other rescued cats also. And this cat, big guy, ended up becoming the protector of the whole group of cats. He was big and he was protective. And when the other cats were threatened, they would run to big guy and let him, you know, like take them to a safe place and guard them. And he was really a compassionate cat. Like one time one of the cats was nearing the end of her life and big guy cuddled with her until she passed. And then he mourned her by lying in her bed and whimpering. And she was one of the many abandoned cats that he had actually gone out and found and brought back to the house because that's what he did. He would go out and find homeless cats and bring them to the Kennedy household to be adopted. Um, And so that's what he did. I mean, he was like a rescue organization of his own, and he (laughs) knew that his humans would take care of any needy cats that he brought to them. And so I just thought that was really cool that this cat who was rescued ended up giving back and bringing other cats to their home to be rescued. And it just shows they're not aloof and selfish animals. This cat was paying it forward in a big way. Right. What I like about the story is sometimes in the hustle and bustle that we go through life, and this is animal, I might add, right? If you don't pay attention, you just don't realize it. But the cat is actually doing what we humans, some of us, do anyway, right? You're talking about taking care of others who are in need and so forth. And there seems to be an organized thought process, I guess, for the lack of a better term. And we just don't pay attention to that if yeah, we're not in I think that that's circle. What, <laughs> yeah, that's what's so great about um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, my clever, curious, caring cat, is that you really see these cats as individuals with very human tendencies. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the stuff they do, humans do that also. It really makes you see the the breadth of a cat and how um, there's really a lot more to them than people realize. Right, right. So true. Do you have a story in this chapter that you like? Well, there's one that I thought was really cool because it's 
have a lesson for the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and it's by Darlene Ellis, and it's called A Change in Perspective. And here's what happened. Her cat, Thumper, was attacked by a coyote in broad daylight. And sometimes cat owners think that it will be okay to have the cat go outside during the daytime and the coyotes won't be a problem, that the coyotes would only get them at night. But the coyotes are out during the day also. So the cat almost died from this coyote attack. But this was an outdoor cat that loved being outside. So they made him a big pen, like the size of a car. (laughs) And so he could be outside you know, looking out at wildlife, smelling the smells, feeling the wind and its fur, all of that, but be protected inside this very large pen. It was like a run, you know, like a dog run kind of thing. Um, But still, the cat wasn't happy. And so he complained a lot in the beginning. But then over time, he got used to it. And he started to enjoy this safe haven where he could watch all the comings and goings of the local wildlife. And then when the pandemic came along shortly after that, Darlene thought about how Thumper accepted this more limited existence but still found great pleasure in nature and in being outdoors. And she learned to appreciate the simple things by thinking about, well, what would Thumper do? Because the pandemic felt like, you know, a cage also that was keeping her at Mm -hmm. home. And so – she learned to enjoy simple things like the flowers in the garden, the birds at the bird feeder. She had some women over to safely sit outside and chat outside. And Darlene says this. She says, Thumper had survived his injuries from the coyote attack and learned to flourish in his changed world. I found that I could do the same. So I thought that was a really nice lesson. Mm-hmm. So true. When you talk about the pet owners themselves, they're more in tune to the character of the cats or the dogs. And like you say, it's amazing that they have lots of common sense and those kind of things, you know, things that we sometimes take it for granted. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree with you. There's, I, I have never owned a cat. I'm actually mm-hmm. allergic to cats. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it it really is... Um, a great lesson in how much more depth there is to them than we realize. Yeah, yeah, so true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's also a quick reminder to check the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. She is also our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section in our August Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Clever, Curious, Caring Cat, 101 Tales of Feline Friendship. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6, Another Tongue Twister, Catastrophe, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, (laughs) No Boxes. (laughs) And the story I like that is No Boxes, Please, by Loretta Olon. 
Yeah, so Loretta tells us that she lived in a trailer, and there was a cat that lived in the trailer next door. But then the people, the humans in that trailer moved away, and they didn't take the cat with them. And this poor cat, whose name was Buddy, just kept vigil there, waiting for his humans to come back. And he just sat on the railing of the deck, and Loretta would watch him through all sorts of weather, just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting loyally for his humans to come back. So she would take food and water over to him and give him some attention. And then when it started to get cold, Loretta and her mother started bringing Buddy the cat inside at night. And he was okay with that, but every morning he would go right back to that next-door trailer to wait for the humans to come back again. It took a whole year for Buddy to stop waiting for his humans. It was really amazing. Um, And he finally got over it and became their cat. And then Loretta's family started packing to move from their trailer to a house. And the poor cat freaked out because he knew that packing meant that he was going to be left behind again. And so he kept tearing apart their cardboard boxes with his claws (laughs) so that they wouldn't be able to pack. And their other cats were jumping from box to box, having a great time playing with them. But um, he was so relieved when they moved and they took him with them. But even so, over the years, whenever a cardboard box came into the house, Buddy would claw that box to bits because he was so threatened by the thought of them moving away. That's trauma. <laughs> I know. But, you know, smart little kitten. He He knew to associate the boxes with moving and he didn't want to be abandoned again. It's amazing though. In reading stories like this, it reminds me of like we humans, sometimes we go through that same process as well, especially if we're young and don't know any better. Right. So what's the difference except we humans, they're cats. Yeah. And they're really smart. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of intelligence in those little bodies. (laughs) Chapter seven, we are family. And this is really, really cool. Paul Prince on Our Hearts by Robin Milliken. So um, Robin tells us that she fell in love at first sight with this cat who she named Oscar at the shelter where he was born. The mother had been surrendered to the facility and she had her kittens there. And all the other kittens in the litter had already been adopted, but Oscar was pretty rambunctious. So not everybody wanted such an active cat, but Robin fell in love with him and was absolutely willing to put up with how crazy he was. Um, (laughs) And her husband had just been injured in an accident at work. And so he needed, you know, to stay home and he needed something to cheer him up. So this little cat with all its rambunctious joy definitely cheered up her husband. Um, But anyway, over time, the little Oscar, you know, who was quite the clown, calmed down because they do as they get older. Mm-hmm. And he started showing this uncanny ability to know if someone was having an emotional moment and really needed his help. So when Robin learned that her father had cancer, Oscar knew she was upset. and He went to her and comforted her. And then when Robin's father beat his cancer but needed two weeks of rest at home, he asked if Oscar could go and stay with him. And so Oscar went and spent two weeks staying with his, I guess, 
grandfather. And <laughs> on the final day of Oscar's visit, Robin's father made cookies for Robin and her husband as a way of saying thank you for you know lending him their cat. And Robin was eating the cookies, and then she noticed that they had this really cute detail. Each one had a cat paw print on it. And Robin said to her dad, oh, that's such a creative idea. And he said, I didn't do that. And that's when they knew that Oscar had walked all over, you know, the cooling cookies. And that's why there were paw prints there. They were actual cat paw prints. So I just thought that was really funny. Anyway, that little shelter kitten who no one else had wanted made it to age 20 and died in his sleep. And Robin says, not only had he left paw prints on the cookies years ago, but he also left paw prints on our hearts. So that was a very sweet story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story. Beautiful, beautiful story. What is your favorite story in Chapter 8? Oh, we've got an amazing story in Chapter 8. Uh, chapter 8 is called I Need You. And we have this story called Uncommon Bond by Rehab Sawa. So Rehab grew up in Damascus, Syria, and so they have a lot of street cats there. You know, not so much pet cats in the house, but just feral cats, which are definitely more common in other countries than they are in the U.S. or Canada. And there was this one cat in their neighborhood who had given birth to lots of litters of kittens right behind their house. And Rehab connected deeply with one of those kittens and she would play with him in the yard and even though he lived outside he was her cat and he even walked her to school every day so for a feral cat he was remarkably friendly and attentive and domesticated so the cat who she named skippy really shouldn't have been an outdoor cat so without her mom knowing rehab would sneak him into her bedroom at night And then he would sleep there until dawn, and then he'd leave through the window. And then he'd come around to the door of the house to be let in in the morning to fool Rehab's mom and make her think that he had been outside the whole night. So Rehab and Skippy were a team for years. But then she decided to go to college in the United States. So she left, and that poor cat didn't know what had happened to her and kept looking for her and looking in her bedroom window Until finally, after many months passed, Rehab said to the cat, she's not going to come back for a long time. And then the cat stopped coming by. But then Rehab was worried that the cat was dead because she'd ask her mom, like, have you seen the cat? And her mom finally said, no, I haven't seen the cat for a long time, ever since I told the cat you weren't coming back for a long time. And so she worried that, you know, the hard life of a feral cat had finally, you know, taken her cat away from her. Well, after being away for more than a year, Rehab went back to Damascus for a visit. She carried her luggage into the house, looked through the kitchen door, which was glass, and was amazed her cat was there. He hadn't (laughs) been there for many months. All of a sudden, he reappeared because she was home, and he knew it. Isn't that incredible? I thought that was just an amazing example of a cat's loyalty and intuition. Oh, yes, definitely. It's one of those things where I think as humans, sometimes we take things really, really for granted. And animals have a better sense 
of those kind of things, and the bonding is just amazing. Yeah, it really is. That's, I mean, I'm allergic to cats, so I can't have one, but I have to say that reading the stories in this book makes me think that if I wasn't allergic and I didn't have family members who were allergic, I think a cat would definitely be in our future. (laughs) Wonderful. Chapter 9, I love this story. The chapter title is My Very Good, Very Bad Cat. And this is, you're talking about black cats. So this is very interesting. The Magic of the LBC by Margarita Calabrone. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked about this before when we were talking about shelters and adopting black cats. So I was really happy Mm -hmm. to have a story about a black cat. And what Margarita says is that she had not wanted a black cat. She had wanted a colorful cat, you know, with a coat with a lot of variety in it. But then Margarita's son and his girlfriend moved in with her during the pandemic, and they brought along a little black cat. So it took a while for Margarita to warm up to this little cat because she just hadn't had a black cat before. But then she realized over time that a little black cat, which she calls a little, which she calls an LBC, is just like having a little black dress, which women know is a thing. Like you have this little <laughs> black dress, you can dress it up, you can dress it down. It's very versatile. It, it really does everything for you. And it, yeah, it's just a plain black dress, but it actually has a lot of personality. And so she said that's what she realized about this little black cat. Um, and I just thought that was important because we just make we need to keep opening people's minds to adopting black cats because there's such a need for that. It's a wonderful story because it's like how do you build relationships? That would be the best way I put it because it was like how you bond and it takes a little bit of time and then it's just natural. Guess what? For like a very term, Amy, the personality takes over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You look beyond the out, outer design and you see what's really inside there. And you see this quirky individual inside there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. Do you have a story in chapter nine to close out the book? Well, speaking of cats with a quirky pet personality, um, (laughs) we got a story from Roz Warren, who's one of our regular contributors. Mm -hmm. And Roz worked in a library. And, of course, the library had a policy against cats. But this cat named Shadow that lived in the neighborhood would just wait outside for the automatic doors to open and then would dart inside the library. And this cat came to the library every single day And most of the patrons thought it was fine, but if somebody did complain, they would make a big show of taking the cat outside. And then, of course, the moment somebody came and activated the doors to open again, the cat would dart back inside. So anyway, um, they loved having the cat around. And at the end of each day when they were closing the library, they had to make sure to find the cat and put him outside so he could go home to his family for the night. And then the cat stopped coming, and they got kind of worried. But then they got in touch with the cat's humans and learned that they had moved to a new neighborhood. And guess what Shadow was doing in the new neighborhood? There wasn't a library, but there was a church. And he went to that church every single day. And he would visit with the staff there. He would attend services. He would sleep in a nest of pillows under the secretary's desk. And so... He became a big part of that neighborhood, 
also, and his owners knew that he was popular, but they didn't realize just how popular until Shadow died and the church decided to hold a memorial service for him, and more than 100 people showed up for it. Wow. <laughs> That's what we call an extrovert cat, see? Oh Mr. yeah, personality. very extroverted. The mayor of the the mayor of the neighborhood for sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's fascinating. What can we expect from Chicken Soup for the remainder of the year? Well, we have a great lineup for the fall. So you know, we have the new dog book that came out last week about the um, you know hilarious heroic human dog, <laughs> and now we have this my clever curious caring cat. And then we are reissuing a book called Devotional Stories for Women that's coming out in um, mid-October. And that's a book that we put out in 2009 that did incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And we put it out as a trade paperback. So now we're going to put it out in a really beautiful hardcover. It's been completely redesigned. It's going to be a great gift book. Um and, you know, devotionals are something you're supposed to read like one a day and think about it. And so we've got 101 uh, devotions in this book. And so, you know, it's 101 days of basically reading a piece of scripture, reading a story that mm-hmm. illustrates the lesson in that piece of scripture. And then there's a custom written prayer that goes with each one. Then at the, the same day in mid-October that the devotional stories for women book is coming out, we have our annual Christmas book, and this year it's called The Blessings of Christmas, and it's really mm-hmm. wonderful. And then beginning of November, we thought to recognize the pandemic and the hardships that people have gone through, we should talk about that. And so we have a book coming out called Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will. And the stories are not only about the pandemic, I would say um, less than half of them are about the pandemic. But they're just stories in general about people facing tough times, whether it's financial tough times, health crises, relationship issues, divorce, loss, um, all of the things that can go wrong in anybody's life. We all have normal lives with their ups and downs. And these are really <laughs> inspirational stories about how people found their inner strength and weathered the, the downs in those lives of ups and downs. Wonderful. That is really wonderful. Speaking about gifts, both the cat and dog books are wonderful gifts for the upcoming holiday season. I just want to let everybody yeah. know that. So go get one. <laughs> they really are. And and we think about that when we're putting stuff on the schedule. We definitely yeah. think about we think about um making sure that what we have in the stores in the fall will have broad appeal for gift giving. And, you know, there's more than a third of the country has a dog or a cat. I think it's probably mm-hmm. somewhere between 40% and 50% have either a dog or a cat or have both in their household. So, yeah, this is a very shared human experience, having one of these furry little family members. So I think that the books are very appealing. And you know what else we have found is that a great way to get young people to read. Mm-hmm. You know, preteens and teenagers can read these, and they're all appropriate for for that age group. It's a great way to get them to enjoy reading. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. 
What wonderful recipes would you like to share with our listeners this morning? So I know that you love to have a recipe for living, and so I was thinking (laughs) about the ingredients for this recipe for living, and I was thinking about what I have learned from working on this cat book. And so here are the ingredients that I think were you know, really big themes in this book. Mm-hmm. And and the first ingredient I would say for my recipe for living would be to be like a cat and live in the moment. And second ingredient would be to allow yourself to feel and care because look how caring these cats were and how willing they were to let themselves feel joy and also sorrow. And then my third ingredient for the recipe for living would be to be more like a cat and get lots of sleep and lots <laughs> of playtime, right? So that's all about work-life balance. And then my fourth ingredient would be to be like a cat and remember that you have inner strength and resilience just waiting for you to call on it when you need it. And a lot of these cats really overcame difficult circumstances. You know, the three-legged mm-hmm. cat, the cat that was attacked by the coyote, these cats that were abandoned and, you know, weighed three and a half pounds, et cetera. (laughs) And then finally, my fifth ingredient would be to be more like a cat and be adaptable because most of these cats went through big changes in where they were living or who they were living with, you know, or whatever, but they adapted and they went on and they continued to find joy in their lives. And so I thought that was a really good lesson also. Fantastic. Those are really wonderful lessons that we all could actually apply every day to help us succeed in life. So it's just beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Florence Ann Romano. Florence is a former nanny of 15 years, an author and an active child care advocate. She is a member of the board of directors at the Children's Research Fund, an incredible organization that supports the pediatric research at Laurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, and a founding member of Sesame Street's Leadership Council. Florence and I will be having a conversation about a remarkable life's journey and tips on how parents can navigate to balance school, work, and play while dealing with the anxieties and worries of the pandemic. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. As usual, Amy, thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure. Thanks for having me on again. I look forward to doing it again later this fall. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.